I have entitled this sermon, The Dangers of Looking Back. Um, I just want to start by saying that Bernie missed a trick last week. Chris was supposed to be preaching last week, but because he was otherwise engaged, <laughs> um, Bernie took over and he missed a trick. With what Chris was having cut out, um, Andrew was having an operation and so on and so forth, I think it would have been a really good time to have preached on something like, what does God need to cut out of your life? <laughs> but that's not what I'm preaching on. Um, now, the dangers of looking back, looking back in itself is not dangerous. It can be benefit, beneficial. As we get older, we tend to look back on our lives to see what has happened, to see what we've done, to see what God has done in our lives. When we look back, it helps us to put into perspective who God is. Why he does or did the things that have happened to us in our lives. One of my brothers is a genealogist, I'd say. He has gone through our entire family history. He could quote to you probably what my great-great-great-grandfather did when he came over as a 13-year-old boy on, an, uh, on a convict ship. Uh, the fact that he spent time out at Port Pure, which seemed like a ridiculous name for a prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spelled differently. But he can come up with all these sorts of things. Me, I'm not that way inclined. <laughs> uh, I have enough trouble dealing with what's happening today. <laughs> but what we tend to find is that As we do get older, some people like to go through, they like to try and write their memoirs. If they've had an interesting life and all that sort of stuff that people may be interested in, uh, sometimes we might find a younger, ge younger generation coming up to us and asking, how did you get through this situation? Because it's something that they're facing. And they want the wisdom of someone in an older group. We can also track, as I said, what it is that God's been doing in our lives. Where we have stuck to God's side. In some places where we've taken our own diversion and tried to go our own way and then eventually have to come back and redo it all over again. Because <laughs> we didn't learn the first time. Um, the reason for this is we need to know who God is. We need to know his character. We need to know that he loves us and he cares for us. Because there's something that's coming going to shock a lot of people. There's going to be a great falling away. 
And I don't want anyone to fall away from God. Think it can't happen? How many people know someone who was a Christian that no longer follows God? I know a lot. They've given up. Paul tells us in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2.3 if you really want to take notes. <clears throat> Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, the day that the Lord returns, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed. Um, so this could only mean that followers of God are going to fall away. It's a heartbreaking thing for God. Matthew, in his gospel, said that there will be many false Christs and false prophets that come forward. And they will show great signs and great wonders. All to, if they can, try and deceive even the elect. So it can happen. For those that stick to God, there is a great reward that is promised. That reward is to spend eternity in his presence. That's what we're leading up to, hopefully. That's why we stick to what we do. If we turn away from God, we're a backslider. The only way that we can come back is through true repentance. We can't just go out and think, ah, oh, you know, sin's so attractive. Who knows that? That sin is attractive. If it wasn't, why would you do it? If we think, um, that I can do this and I can repent later. Who are you fooling? You're not fooling God. God will not be mocked by anything like that. But why is it dangerous or when is it dangerous to look back? Let's go to Genesis 19. It's a nice little story. There's a family that live in a city. There's a father, mother, two daughters, and a whole, whole heap of sinners. <coughs> this city is Sodom. It's got a twin city, Gomorrah, who's just as bad. They are into all sorts of perversions. And God has come up to Abraham and he said... Because you are a man of faith, I'm not going to hide what I'm going to do. And he tells him what he's going to do. He's going to go down. He's, the, the cries of the sins have come before God. God already knew. It was no news to him. He knows what people are capable of. Yet, he mentions it to Abraham. And Abraham bargains with God 
what if there's 50 people that are righteous? Will you destroy the city? No. God says. Abraham beats him down to 10 people. He sends two angels into the city. I think the angels were there unaware to everyone except Lot. Because Lot used to sit in the city gates. It was a position of honour, a position of trust. It was where judgment was made upon people. And Lot was the person that used to sit in the city gates. I think he's seen these two people come and knowing what the city is like, he's invited them to his place secretly. So he's probably gone around the back ways to get them to his place. And he tells his wife, prepare a meal. Tradition says that apparently she had no salt. This is Jewish tradition. Um, how relevant it is to anything. Um, that she had no salt. So she went to a neighbour to borrow some salt to be, to be able to make a meal for these strangers. That alerted the town that there were strangers in the city. And they started banging on Lot's door, demanding that these strangers were brought out so that they could know them. Um, for those that read the King James, they know what the term know means. Um, it is to know them sexually because that is what they were like in the city. Lot says, no, I can't do this. Because as the host, his duty was to protect his visitors. So I said, I can't do this. But I have two daughters that are still virgins. You can have them. Not a good bargain. Not if you're one of the daughters. Thankfully, the men said, we don't want them. We want the strangers. We want the men. And they kept going on. And these angels, they caused all the men to go blind. They dragged Lot back inside, said, gather up your wife, gather up your girls, get out. This place is going to be destroyed. Don't just go out of the city and stay on the plains. Go right up into the hills. And as you're going, do not look back. So they left. They're wandering away and as they're up there, Lot's wife turns around and looks and gets turned into a pillar of salt. Why? She disobeyed, disobeyed what the angel said, don't look back. Why she looked back to us is speculation because we don't know. We weren't there. There was no one around, there's no one around that can tell us. The Bible doesn't mention why she looked back. Some say it was to see whether her daughters were still following. Um, 
if it was that, why would she have to look up at the city? Because if you're looking for the daughters, you're just going to look back like that and turn back around. But she actually looked towards the city and that is why she was punished. Because she was a native of Sodom. That was her hometown. She wanted to be back there. Some will tell you that she never actually left. That she stayed there and was destroyed along with everyone there. But the Bible tells us that she actually went with Lot along the way and then turned. The region where this happened, there's a lot of pillars of salt because the whole area around that whole area there is full of salt. Uh, you have the Dead Sea, which is salt-filled, and it's so heavily laden with salt that you can actually float on top of the water. It'll just hold you up. You won't have to try and keep up in your own way or anything. It'll just do it yourself. And there's a lot of pillars there, and people will go, okay, well, this is Lot's wife. Um, but, you know, with the amount that they come up with, who knows. Um, it's also used as a term for other areas. There are places in Australia that are called Lot's Wife because they're just a pillar that has a vague shape of a person. There's places in China, there's places in other parts of the Middle East. It's all around the world, Canada, US. It's an expression that is used glibly for a lot of things. <clears throat> but the thing that's not glib is she disobeyed. Danielle was talking about it. No, sorry, Wendy was talking about obedience earlier. When we look back at our life, that we used to have before we knew God. And we look at all the things that we used to do. Plays with your mind. Here is where everything starts. If you dwell on it, it grows to the point where you can fall back. Um, God will continue to look to work in us every day of our life. As I said to Fred earlier, the day God stops working in my life is the day that I die. I know that there's still a lot that he has to work on. Whether he accomplishes everything, I don't know. I'm not dead yet, which is a good thing. <laughs> Otherwise, um, some people would be running scared from here. <laughs> but I may, may not be dead physically, but I have to die to what I was. People say that we have a sin nature. 
that is what controls us, what drives us to do what we do as non-Christians. But we weren't created that way. We weren't created with a sin nature. We were created righteous and holy. It's only until Adam and Eve took of the fruit and ate that sin came in. That happened because God's word was misconstrued. The word was said to Adam before Eve was created. Eve was created. Adam told Eve everything that God had said and done. Who did the enemy come in and attack? Eve. Not because she's weaker but because she had second-hand knowledge. The enemy comes in and he wants us to look at things that are attractive, things that appeal. Not everything is supposed to appeal to us. We are supposed to, or we try, when we become Christians, we're supposed to die to our old self, to the man of sin. And we're supposed to become a new creation. We spend our lives as Christians trying to live up to that. But if we try it, we're going to fail because it's works and I know it's going to sound funny but works don't work they don't cut it we need to continually have God before us behind us beside us inside us We need him to keep us going forward. Who's ever tried to walk forward while they're looking over their shoulder? How far have you got (laughs) before you've tripped over something? To go forward, you need to look forward. So that's what we need to do. We need to stick to God. We need to continually look forward to what he is trying to do. We need to keep moving in his direction. The reward for us is going to be fantastic. I look forward to it. Literally, physically, figuratively, emotionally, spiritually. 
something that's got to control your whole being. The only way we can do it is to not look back at what we used to do. We need to continue on in the path 